Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. I hope you're doing fine. In fact, I hope you're more than fine today. I hope you're splendid or radiant or perhaps even ebullient. Not that anyone normally uses those words. But anyway, I hope you're fantastic. But if you're just fine, then that is wonderful. Anyway, welcome back. In this episode, we're going to describe a car accident in various different styles of English. To be honest, it doesn't have to be a car accident. It could be a description of anything, really. The main thing is, I just want to show how English changes depending on the situation. I chose a description of a car accident because I thought it might be quite an easy thing to describe in different ways. But the focus here is not on the car accident, but on the different styles of English. So we're going to describe the same accident again and again, but in different styles. For example, literary style, informal conversational style, academic style, in the style of a movie screenplay, in the style of song lyrics and more. Why are we doing this? Well, it should show us the different ways that English is constructed depending on the situation. So what are the linguistic differences between each version of this description? Imagine one single event, in this case a car crash, described in lots of different ways in different situations or contexts. How would that event be described differently? How would the language change in each case. So imagine this car accident being described by a friend to another friend in an email, by a friend to another friend in a conversation, in a police report, in a broadsheet newspaper, in a tabloid newspaper, in an academic essay, by a child, by a writer in a novel, by a writer in a romantic novel from the 18th century, by Shakespeare, by Eminem, by a stand-up comedian entertaining an audience, by a news reporter on location, by a politician making a speech, in a screenplay for a Hollywood action movie, by me in an episode of this podcast, by dispassionate, highly intelligent aliens who've been observing human behaviour from a distance for hundreds of years, by Liam Neeson in the film Taken, and so on and so on. The list goes on. You will see that the differences in the language are quite distinct. Each version is written in a specific style or voice which dictates the tone, structures and vocabulary used. For example, a description written in the style of an 18th century novel uses more formal language, longer sentences and more descriptive language compared to the response written in the style of a child writing a letter, which of course uses simpler vocabulary and sentence structures. 
A description in the style of a politician making a speech uses more persuasive language and rhetorical devices to convince the listener, while the description in the style of a stand-up comedian on stage uses very personal touches which highlight the inherent humour in the situation or the attitude of the speaker. A description in the style of a Hollywood screenplay shows specific organisation and presentation of the text in the use of directions and dialogue. And the description in the style of a police report uses impersonal and formal reporting language. Okay, so overall, the differences in language and style in each case highlight the importance of audience, purpose and context in determining the appropriate language and tone for a given piece of writing or speaking. Basically, we adapt our English for the situation. So this is what I want to demonstrate. Different situations cause English to be constructed differently. Another thing for you to consider here is this. Would you be able to adapt your English for these different situations? Are you able to use English in these different modes? Do you have the right level of linguistic control to be able to do that? Are you aware of the stylistic conventions of each different context? Are you able to adapt your vocabulary, grammar, text organisation or perhaps pronunciation for each situation? This is a key skill. Um, this is a key writing skill in Cambridge exams, being able to adapt your style for different situations. In CAE, Cambridge Certificate of Advanced English, for example, you might have to write a formal letter, an informal letter, a business report or proposal, a magazine article, a review and so on. You have to get the style and genre conventions right, and that means adapting your vocabulary, sentence structure and overall text organisation. For ages, I've wanted to make an English lesson or podcast episode all about this, comparing differences in different styles of English, but it's always been really hard because I've had to write them all myself. I've had to write all the different versions myself. I've had different attempts at it in the past, writing out things in different styles of English, but it's it's always been really difficult, okay, having to do it myself. That's, that's a bit of a headache, to be honest. So this is where ChatGPT steps in. Okay, I can use that as my assistant here. So let's see if ChatGPT can do this for me or can help by providing these samples of English in different contexts. So I've been using ChatGPT3 for a while now as an English teacher in various ways. And I fa found that perhaps the best use of it is to produce different samples of English quickly, including example sentences and questions to help us understand and practice using uh, certain bits of language. So here's what I did, okay? Here's what I did for this episode. Um, I created a prompt for ChatGPT like this. So the prompt is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of dot, dot, dot. Okay, and then I've just added a different style each time. For example, in the style of an academic essay or in the style of a police report and so on. And it did pretty much exactly what I wanted it to do. So let me read them all out to you. Okay, see if you can notice the differences in language in each situation. Now, I might not be able to stop and explain all the items of vocabulary here. There's go I'm going to throw a lot of English at you 
in this episode. And I might not be able to stop and explain all the individual items of vocab here because I'm focusing on the overall style of each text. But you can get the PDF for this episode and then check the words yourself later if you like. The PDF, you'll find the link in the description or on the episode page for this one on my website. Um, So I will point out certain words and phrases here, but the overall idea is that I want you to notice the language and how it changes. I'll also do my best to change my voice in a way that is suitable for each situation, because obviously you've got written English and spoken English the delivery of of English um, orally with your voice, that does change as well, depending on the situation. And you tend to find, for example, politicians sound a certain way when they speak. Uh, News readers sound a certain way. Um, What else? Like police, police officers, when they're delivering a report, might sound a certain way. So I'll try and adapt my voice appropriately if I can. So let's get started. Uh, Just one note. Uh, ChatGPT uses American English by default, and I find that even when I ask it to convert things into British English, it seems to do this slightly. It seems to do this slightly unnaturally, as if it's doing a slightly inauthentic impression of British English. It's a bit like an American person pretending to be a British person, and so it ends up being slightly caricatured. It uses some slightly cliched or stereotypical. English, you know, as if it's attempting to like fake being a British person. You know, ChatGPT is basically American. Um, So I decided to let it just write all of this in American English, um, which is fine, of course. The majority of the time, it's exactly the same as, as in British English. And I can perhaps point out any moments when British English would, would clearly be different uh, I can try and do that a bit. And, and that could be useful, as we've seen before on this podcast. All right, then. So let's get started. I wonder if this is going to be a super, super duper long episode. We will see. Anyway, let's crack on. So my first one, the first one is this. My first prompt was this. Write a 200 word text about a car accident in the style of someone writing an informal letter to a friend. Okay, so an informal letter to a friend. I've chosen a letter to a friend here rather than a friend speaking to another friend because otherwise, if I ask it to just pretend to be a a friend speaking to another friend, ChatGPT just creates a dialogue between two people and I want a clear and fairly neutral description of this accident first to operate as a sort of baseline model for a description of this car accident. So I wanted just one description described by one person. So this this is what we've got. Okay, an informal letter to a friend. And here it is. Okay, right. I'll give you some comments on this afterwards in terms of, you know, the the sort of uh, style um, or register of, of the English here. Okay, so here we go. Hi, Dave. Great to see you last weekend. Let's do that again soon. I just wanted to tell you about something crazy that happened to me yesterday. I was driving down Main Street when out of nowhere, this SUV came barreling through the intersection and hit my car. It all happened so fast and before I knew it, my car was totaled. Luckily, I'm okay, but I had to go to the hospital just to get checked out. I'm pretty sore today, but I'll live. The other driver was definitely at fault, but they seemed okay too. 
We exchanged information and everything, but I don't know what's going to happen with insurance and all that. It's just a big mess. I never thought I'd be in a car accident like this, but I guess anything can happen on the road. It's just a reminder to always stay alert and be careful out there. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know what's been going on. Hopefully things will get sorted out soon and I'll be back on the road before I know it. Talk to you soon, Luke. Okay, right, so you could see there that the tone of it is is personal, right? It's, it's, very, it's very personal. Um, we've got sort of, um, obviously, Hi Dave at the start. This is an informal letter, so it starts with Hi Dave rather than Dear Dave. Great to see you last weekend. Let's do that again soon. So these personal touches... So it's definitely personal. It's fairly informal. The language inf is informal. There's the use of contractions, um, you know, I'll live and other things like that. And some other descriptive vocab, which is quite informal, like something crazy that happened to me. Um, you know, uh, my, uh, the, my car was totaled. Totaled, that is American English. It means... Uh, written off. My car was written off. Means it was just really, like, badly damaged. Um, okay, you know, I'm just going to go to the hospital to get checked out. I'm pretty sore today, meaning I'm I'm aching or I'm in pain today. So quite informal language. In terms of, like, the text conventions, we see that there's a personal greeting at the beginning of the letter and a reference to their friendship, but you know, all part of that personal style. Contractions are used, lots of descriptive vocabulary, some phrasal verbs in there. And it's not overly complicated language. I mean, the sentences aren't really complex and long. Okay, so that's the informal letter to a friend. Let's move on to, to compare that to some other versions. So the next one that I chose was this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in a literary style. So literary style, that means the kind of English that's used by a writer writing a novel, you know, like the sort of sorts of novel that you pick up in the bookshop, sort of um, novels that have dramatic elements, novels that create sort of a, a sense of suspense or emotion, right? Novels, the sorts of books you read on holiday or, or, you know, in your free time and stuff. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in a literary style. So here we go. This is, this is what ChatGPT came up with. See if you can notice the differences between this and the previous example. Here we go. As the sun began its descent towards the horizon, the road ahead stretched out endlessly, seemingly inviting the driver to speed up. But fate had other plans in store. In an instant, screeching tyres and the shattering of glass shattered the serenity of the afternoon. A car accident had occurred. Amidst the chaos and confusion, a mangled metal carcass lay motionless on the asphalt. The air was heavy with the acrid smell of burnt rubber and gasoline, mingling with the pungent scent of fear and anxiety. The onlookers rushed to the scene, frantically dialing for emergency services while the wailing sirens grew closer and closer. As the ambulance arrived, the paramedics rushed to the wrecked vehicle, trying to extricate the occupants from the twisted metal. But the damage had been done. Bloodied and battered bodies were hastily loaded onto stretchers as the urgency of their situation weighed heavily on their minds.
The aftermath of the accident left an indelible mark on those who witnessed it. The fragility of life had been laid bare. A stark reminder that in the blink of an eye, everything can change. The road ahead may seem inviting, but it can also hold unforeseen dangers lurking around every turn. Wow. Quite different. So you can see that there's lots of very descriptive language, right? Describing the, 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 the sunset. The sun began its descent towards the horizon. The road stretched out endlessly. Lots of very evocative language, which is the, you know, the purpose of, um, of, a, of a novel, right? Is to evoke feelings and environments and um, like to make experiences very vivid. Um, literary vocabulary to present the events in a dramatic way. There are no contractions that you would like you would get in informal writing. In fact, it's quite formal. Um, right, full sentences, uh, fully correct grammar, quite complex sentences, a generally dramatic and emotional tone, and as you would expect from works of literature. There are references to bigger themes like fate and destiny, right? To ultimately to kind of uh, make us think about the human condition, you know, something more profound. Okay, let's keep moving. I mean, I could go back through that because there's lots and lots of very specific language, uh, but I'm not going to. The, the aim here is to try to just look at different styles and I'm not getting caught up in the details, okay? But as I said before, you can get the PDF for this and you can check those specific words yourself if you want to. But this is an, uh, an exercise in style uh, in this episode today. So the next one is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a stand-up comedy routine. Right? Now, stand-up comedy, you probably know. But just in case you don't know... So I just get my headphones comfortable on my head here. Stand-up comedy, that's when, you know, a comedian stands up on stage in front of an audience and they've got a microphone and they maybe tell jokes, tell stories. The main aim is to make the audience laugh. Okay, so how would a stand-up comedian uh, describe a car accident? Now, a little warning here. I have to say, ChatGPT is pretty bad at writing comedy. But the tone is right. The general tone is right. But the comedy, it's not. Artificial intelligence has not quite got there yet. It's, it just shows it's very complicated and difficult to make good comedy. But this is what ChatGPT came up with. All right. So here we go. I have to try and imagine now I'm a comedian on stage. But this is awful uh, material. So it's not really very funny. Maybe a couple of bits, but anyway, we'll see. So I was driving down the road the other day, minding my own business, when out of nowhere, bam, I got rear-ended by a car. And let me tell you, I wasn't ready for that kind of action. I mean, it's one thing to watch car crashes on TV, but it's a whole different ball game when you're in the middle of it. My car was spun round like a carnival ride, and I felt like I was in a scene from The Fast and Furious. But I have to give it to the other driver. They were a real pro. They managed to hit me in just the right spot to make my car do a 180-degree turn. I almost wanted to ask them for driving lessons. But then I remembered that they had just crashed into me, so maybe not. 
The worst part about the whole thing was that they the worst part about the whole thing was that I just washed my car that morning. I mean, come on, couldn't they have waited until at least the next day to crash into me? <clears throat> now I have to go back to the car wash and spend another $20 just to get it clean again. But on the bright side, at least I have a good story to tell now. And the best part? Well, I can blame all my bad driving on the accident. Oh, sorry, officer, I'm still recovering from that car crash last week. Can't you cut me some slack? AI comedy at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. Not very funny, but anyway, the, as I said, the tone is right. Definitely American English. Sounds a bit weird, really, me saying that in British in my British accent. But so, what are the kind of uh, what? What can I say? It's not a great comedy routine. First of all, the material's pretty poor. I would not want to go on stage and perform that particular material. But the general style of it is right. So it's personal, it's informal, it's conversational. There's a confidence to to the storytelling. It's ironic as well, right? There's a sense of ironic detachment. And you can see that in 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 the bit about how the comedian wanted to get driving lessons from the other driver because they managed to hit the car in just the right spot to make make him do a whole 180 degree turn. So actually quite impressive. So there's a sense of ironic detachment, which is very common in comedy, in stand-up comedy, where you, you basically show that you're looking at events in a humorous way, stepping outside of the normal conventions of everyday life and seeing the funny side. The strong attitude of the speaker is clear. You can see that the speaker is kind of like shocked or amazed or impressed or, you know, positive at the end. You know, there's a sense of the attitude of the speaker coming through. And the whole thing, the purpose of the whole thing is to, is designed to elicit laughter from the audience, as you can see. And that's, you know, that's that's what kind of defines the rest of the style of it. Okay. Okay, let's move on. I've got lots of these. I've got lots and lots of these. There's over 15 of these different uh, styles of English that we're looking at here. So let's keep pressing forwards. Okay, right. So the next one is this. Write a 200 word text about a car accident in the style of a police report. Okay, so this is where this is where I have to use my generic uh, English police officer's voice. They might sound a little bit like this, very factual. Every single word is pronounced with a gap between the, uh, between them. Um, all right, so this is the police report version. Here we go. <clears throat> On March 23rd, 2023, at approximately 4.15pm, a car accident occurred at the intersection of Main Street and Fifth Avenue. The accident involved a blue sedan and a red SUV. Upon arrival at the scene, officers observed extensive damage to both vehicles. The driver of the blue sedan, identified as John Doe, was found to have suffered minor injuries and was transported to the local hospital for treatment. The driver of the red SUV, identified as Jane Smith, was not injured. 
preliminary investigation revealed that the blue sedan was travelling west on Main Street and the red SUV was travelling north on Fifth Avenue. The red SUV failed to stop at the red light and collided with the blue sedan in the intersection. Both drivers were wearing their seatbelts at the time of the accident. Airbags in both vehicles deployed on Im- upon impact. No passengers were present in either vehicle. The accident resulted in significant damage to both vehicles, requiring them to be towed from the scene. The intersection was closed for approximately one hour for investigation and clean-up. Charges are pending against Jane Smith for failure to stop at a red light, resulting in a collision. The investigation is ongoing. Hmm. Okay, so clearly it's quite formal, right? Formal language, which means it's impersonal. There are no contractions used. Um, right, uh, no slang. Um, it's objective and impersonal. So there's a sense that the the, the person describing it is is like uh, uh, impartial from the events. There's no sense of emotional involvement. Um, certain legal language or police terminology is used. You know, we've got things like preliminary investigation and um, upon arrival at the scene. Officers observed extensive damage and uh, the accident resulted in significant damage. Charges are pending. So we've got certain legal or police terminology being used. Events are described in chronological order. Right. Um, Active voice rather than passive voice is used in order to be clear about who did what. Okay, And it includes relevant information and details of who, when, what, etc., all relevant for the case. So the purpose being it's just recording the events in the most impartial way possible in order to provide information for the case, which if the case goes to court, it's very important that the information is laid out clearly, impartially, with no sense of emotional involvement. With all that police language and sort of police legal terminology as well. Okay, right. How's this going for you, listeners? Is this working out for you? I, you know, this is a sort of an experimental episode for me because, uh, um, you know, just an experiment in in demonstrating differences in style. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about this car accident quite a lot, and one thing as well I've I've realised is that maybe I made the mistake of of asking it to write a two hundred word text because that's quite a lot. That's that's quite a long text each time. <laughs> And I have to keep the voice going. I have to try and keep my impression going uh, for 200 words. Uh, let's see if I can keep doing it. So next next is this. My next prompt was this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of an academic essay. Okay, so basically this is a 200-word academic essay about a car accident. Now, it's, to be honest, it's not normal to write an essay about a car accident, right? Normally, you'd have essays that compare and contrast things or that in which you present a certain argument or argue for and against something. It's not normal to describe a car accident in an essay. And you can see from this text that ChatGPT has kind of converted this into a sort of discussion about the, the, the wider... Um, ramifications of car safety and road safety. Um, so yeah, not very normal to write an essay about a car accident. It would probably 
more likely be an academic study or report. But let's see what ChatGPT do, uh, does here. Okay, so this is this is the 200 word essay about a car accident. Okay, the occurrence of car accidents has been a topic of interest and study for many years, and as, as they can result in significant human and financial costs. On March the 23rd, 2023, an accident occurred at the intersection of Main Street and Fifth Avenue involving a blue sedan and a red SUV. This essay aims to analyse the circumstances of the accident and explore potential contributing factors. Clearly, there's organisation being done here, right? You can see that's an introduction. That's a classic essay introduction, the sort of thing that you might have to write in an IELTS academic writing uh, task. <clears throat> Although you, they wouldn't ask you to write one about a car accident, that you might have to write an academic essay about road safety, though. So let's. So that was the introduction. Let's continue. Initial investigation revealed that the red SUV failed to stop at a red light and collided with the blue sedan in the intersection. This raises questions about the role of driver behaviour and attentiveness in preventing accidents. Research has shown that distractions such as mobile devices can impair driver performance and increase the likelihood of accidents. It's also important to consider the role of driver education and training in promoting, in promoting safe driving practices. The use of safety features in vehicles can also play a role in preventing injuries and reducing the severity of accidents. In this case, both drivers were wearing their seatbelts and the deployment of airbags likely contributed to the relatively minor injuries sustained by the driver of the blue sedan. In conclusion, the accident at the intersection of Main Street and Fifth Avenue highlights the complex and multifaceted nature of car accidents. A comprehensive approach, including driver education and training, the use of safety features and efforts to minimise distractions can help to prevent accidents and mitigate their impacts. Further research and analysis are needed to fully understand the factors contributing to car accidents and to, de and to develop effective strategies for prevention. Any academic essay will have, uh, an, will have an essay question. This one didn't really have an essay question, so ChatGPT has kind of built its essay. It's kind of made up some kind of question. I think probably if this essay had a question, it would be something like, um, describe the car accident that happened, blah, 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 on the 23rd of whenever it was, 23rd of March. Describe the car accident um, and, um, and discuss um, issues of road safety, you know, the, and, and, discuss, and discuss issues of road safety um, and strategies for prevention. It might be something like that. So in terms of structure, it's typical, right? There's an introduction with an overview and an aim describing the aim of the essay. The next paragraphs explore the events and make certain wider points about society, road safety, etc. And there's a conclusion which summarises what we can learn from this. Classic essay writing stuff. It's formal language. It's quite impersonal. There are no pronouns here. No use of I or me so it's that typical academic distance where you don't say I or me. So it's impersonal, it's objective, it's informative, and it has the purpose of discussing wider issues and contributing to a wider collection of knowledge in a particular field. That's what academic essays are for. 
And this essay focuses on road safety and the prevention of accidents. Okay, so that's academic English. Now let's move on to the sort of English that you might find in newspapers. My next prompt is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a tabloid newspaper report. So, just to be clear, you've got two types of newspaper, traditionally. There's tabloid newspapers and broadsheet newspapers. The tabloid ones are those ones which are more sensational and um, usually they're slightly smaller in size. They might have bigger pictures, less text, and they're very attention-grabbing. And it's not exactly the most sort of intelligent, highbrow, intellectual coverage of events and news. Instead, it focuses on sensationalism, shock value, gossip, and things like that. So that's tabloid newspapers. Broadsheet newspapers are the bigger, more serious ones. Okay, so let's, let's have a look at, at tabloid uh, newspapers. I've written here, by the way, ChatGPT is kind of cheating here and has been using more or less than 200 words in its answers. That's not really very important, but I've asked it to write 200 words. I thought it would be extra impressive if every single time it managed to hit 200 words precisely, but it's sometimes more than 200 words, sometimes less. Okay, I will, I will let that one slip. Anyway, here is a tabloid... Uh, newspaper article about this car accident. Here it is. You ready? Horror on the roads. Car crash at intersection. In a heart-stopping collision that shocked onlookers, a blue sedan and a red SUV collided at the intersection of Main Street and Fifth Avenue, leaving both vehicles totaled. Eyewitnesses reported that the red SUV appeared to have run a red light, slamming into the blue sedan and sending it spinning out of control. The impact was so severe that the sedan's airbags deployed, leaving the driver with minor injuries. The driver of the SUV emerged unscathed, but shaken by the terrifying ordeal. The, the intersection was blocked off for hours as emergency responders arrived on the scene to clear the wreckage and tend to the injured. Passers-by took to social media to share photos and videos of the dramatic scene, with many expressing their shock and disbelief at the severity of the accident. While investigations are still ongoing, authorities have indicated that the driver of the red SUV may be facing charges for reckless driving and failing to obey traffic signals. This harrowing incident serves as a reminder of the importance of staying vigilant on the roads and obeying traffic laws to prevent tragedies like this from occurring. Stay tuned for updates as the investigation unfolds. Okay, now that could have, they could have put, ChatGPT could have pushed, pushed that further. If that had been a, uh, an article in the Sun newspaper, for example, a very popular tabloid in the UK, it might have made it even more emotional and maybe might have added a political angle to it as well. They might have used the opportunity to criticise certain public figures because, you know, the Sun is kind of a, a fairly right-wing newspaper. So they might have used it as a chance to probably have a go at something like woke culture somehow. I don't know how you could connect a, a car accident to woke culture, uh, but they'd probably find some way of kind of... Um, uh, kind of 
um, poking at people's opinions and beliefs and political views and stuff as well. So you can see it's, it's, there's quite a lot of sensational language. For example, a heart-stopping collision, right? Um, a terrifying ordeal. This is quite sensational language. Language that's, that makes it sound much more dramatic um, than, than it maybe was. It's attention-grabbing, okay? Um, horror on the roads. Using a word like horror, little punchy words like this are used in tabloid journalism to grab people's attention and to um, focus on people's emotions. So you get words like horror and heart-stopping and stuff like that. It's emotional language designed to get a reaction from readers because this is what sells newspapers. Uh, it's quite colloquial language in some places. You know, you've got the bit where it said leaving both vehicles totaled, which is quite American colloquial language. But you might say something like in British English, it might be a horrific accident which left both vehicles wrecked. You know, something like that. So sometimes um, tabloid newspapers do use fairly colloquial language, quite a lot of slang, maybe some phrasal verbs, even little word jokes and things. Uh, simple sentence structure and shorter sentences for impact. As the report goes on, I have to say it gets a little bit less tabloid-like. And some of that is like fairly normal, almost broadsheet-style writing. But usually tabloid um, writing is a bit more simple, shorter sentences which have more impact. It's designed to be simple. It's designed to be easy to follow and easy to read. Lots of hyperbole and exaggeration, you know, like talking about it as like a, a horrific ordeal, like building it up and exaggerating things. That's what hyperbole is. It's basically exaggeration. There are often references to things like shock or scandal or outrage. It's not really about accuracy or balance, but rather the purpose is to engage the reader and provoke a, an emotional response. Okay, so that was tabloid uh, newspaper journalism. Let's have a look at broadsheet newspaper reports. So the next one is write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a broadsheet newspaper report. So this is the more, the more serious, more respectable newspapers. Okay, so here we go. Uh, what's, the, what's the voice I should use? We'll, we'll see. In a collision that has left two vehicles severely damaged, a blue sedan and a red SUV collided at the intersection of Main Street and Fifth Avenue at approximately 4.15pm on March the 23rd, 2023. Eyewitnesses reported that the red SUV failed to stop at a red light and collided with the blue sedan, causing significant damage to both vehicles. The driver of the blue sedan sustained minor injuries and was transported to the hospital for treatment, while the driver of the red SUV was unharmed. Emergency responders arrived promptly on the scene and the intersection was closed for several hours as the wreckage was cleared and the investigations began. Authorities have indicated that the driver of the red SUV may face charges for failing to obey traffic signals. This incident serves as a reminder of the importance of safe and responsible driving and the potential consequences of failing to adhere to, to traffic laws. It also highlights the importance of safety features such as airbags and seatbelts in reducing the risk of serious injury in accidents. 
As investigations continue, we urge all drivers to remain vigilant on the roads and prioritise safety at all times. We will provide updates as more information becomes available. Now, it, it was pretty good from ChatGPT. I mean, some things I think were not quite right. Like this bit where it says, we urge drivers to remain vigilant. Normally, broadsheet newspapers or in the news, you normally don't get like direct... Um, sort of direct instructions or calls to action to the reader. You don't normally get that kind of thing. We urge drivers to remain vigilant. There, there isn't that sense of responsibility. Instead, it's really just about describing the events as they happened rather than actually giving people direct instructions. Also, I think a broadsheet paper would probably include some quotes from public figures or responses from public figures. For example, you might get Prime Minister Rishi Sunak made a statement on Twitter calling for, urge, for an urgent rethink of traffic laws. You know, there would be something like that, like references to what public figures have said. But overall, you can say it's quite formal, it's factual, it's objective. You find fairly complex, sophisticated sentences. It's got a serious tone. It's not as emotionally um, manipulative as the tabloid um, piece. The aims are to be accurate, to analyse and to refer to wider issues. There is some sense of depth and insight as well there, as well. How many times shall I say as well? I'll say it one more time as well. There you go. Four times. Okay. Now, I'd like to start really exploring some interesting versions of English here. And we're going to start getting a bit... I'm going to start having fun with this, I think, in a, in a, in a few moments. Let's first look at conversational English. So my next prompt is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a converse, conversational anecdote between friends. So this is just two friends having a chat and one of them just describes the accident they've seen. So this is just sort of common, everyday, <clears throat> informal spoken English between friends. Here we go. Friend one. Hey, did you hear about the car accident at Main Street and Fifth Avenue yesterday? Friend two. No, what happened? Friend one. Apparently, a blue sedan and a red SUV collided in the intersection. The, the SUV ran a red light and hit the sedan pretty hard. Oh, that's crazy. Was anyone hurt? Yeah, the driver of the sedan got a few minor injuries and had to go to the hospital, but the driver of the SUV was okay. Oh, thank goodness for seatbelts and airbags, right? Definitely. It's scary to think how much worse it could have been without those safety features. And it's also a reminder of how important it is to obey traffic laws and traffic signals and stay focused while driving. <laughs> exactly. I heard the driver of the SUV might be facing charges for reckless driving. Friend too. Well, that's a tough lesson to learn, but hopefully it will make them more aware on the, on the roads in the future. Yeah, let's just hope everyone stays safe out there. Okay, that's a bit of a weird conversation. It felt very contrived, didn't it? I think it would be more likely something like this. I'll tell you what, mate, I, uh, I saw a horrible accident on the way here. Oh, yeah, really? What happened? Well, there was like a car was just driving through the junction and another one just completely jumped the red light and smashed into him. It was horrible. Yeah, there was the, the car spun round 180 degrees. The airbags went off and everything. I could see the airbags inside the car. It's like horrible noise as well. 
there's probably going to be a bit more emotional dis- descriptions of the emotions and the visceral sensations of what it was like, right? It, it, whereas this dialogue looks like it was written, it's like it's part of like a health and safety training video, you know? I, you know, well, that's a tough lesson to learn, but hopefully it will make them more aware of the roads in the future. Yeah, let's just hope everyone stays safe out there. So well, I'm not sure it did a great job, but I mean, you know, the English is flawless, of course, and more or less it's a fairly good demonstration of informal, casual conversation. It's informal, it's casual, there are contractions, you know, in written, in informal written English, you do have contractions. That's you know, not that is, it's, not it is. There are some colloquialisms. Uh, what kind of colloquialisms? That's crazy. You know, um, thank goodness for seatbelts. Things like that. There's agreement between the speakers. So the speakers are friends. So obviously they're going, wow, yeah, that's true. Oh, I agree with you. That's right, isn't it? Well, it certainly shows this, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, you know. And expressing emotional responses to the event, although ChatGPT didn't do that much, although it said things like, "Ooh, it's scary to think how much it could, how much worse it could have been without those safety features." <laughs> ChatGPT seems to have a sense of responsibility, and it's always highlighting the importance of road safety. Have you noticed? Um, okay, let's move on. Okay, this is where it's going to start getting fun. As if it wasn't fun already. I'm mean, obviously we're having a fantastic time already, aren't we, everyone? Yes. Um, but uh, this is where. How, how long have I been recording, by the way? Okay, right. It already forty-five minutes worth. So next is this: write a two hundred word text about a car accident in the style of a Hollywood science fiction action movie screenplay. Hollywood science fiction action movie. Okay, are you ready? It could be like a Terminator film or just any generic Hollywood science fiction action. And you can see, if you're looking at the PDF of this, you can see that the way this is constructed is typical for a screenplay, for a script. So you get little instructions and stuff like that. Fade in. External. City streets. Night. A sleek car races through the neon-lit streets of a futuristic city pursued by a group of hovering police drones. Interior, car, night. Inside the car, the driver, Jax, grips the steering wheel tightly, his eyes fixed on the road ahead. Suddenly, a black SUV swerves in front of him, causing him to lose control of the car. Jax grunting, hold on tight, says Jax. The car spins out of control, crashing into a nearby building. Jax crawls out of the wreckage, his eyes scanning the area for any signs of danger. Suddenly, a group of heavily armed aliens appear out of nowhere, their weapons trained on Jax. Jax, smiling grimly, let's play. Let's play. Jax pulls out a high-tech weapon and engages the aliens in a fierce battle. Explosions rock the street as Jax fights for his life. Finally, Jax emerges victorious, his weapon smoking in his hand. Jax, 
I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> Jax walks away from the scene of the accident, ready for whatever the next challenge may be. Fade out. <laughs> okay, to be honest, I added the line, I'm getting too old for this shit. Because, I mean, that's just like the typical cliche line, isn't it, from an action movie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> that was brilliant. I love that. By the way, I've just realized maybe you don't know what an SUV is and what a sedan is. Obviously, these are two types of car. An SUV is a sports utility vehicle. It's something that looks kind of like a four-wheel drive. Um, right? It's kind of a large, large car uh, with a... Uh, you sit higher up. It's like a kind of a Range Rover or something like that. That's an SUV. And a sedan is just a standard... Um, car, four doors the, and, the, and a boot at the back, quite long, something like a Toyota Camry or something like that, right? That's a standard sedan car. Okay, I really enjoyed that one. So let's look at the, the, the style of it, right? Let's describe it. So the organisation of a screenplay is clear. It mixes descriptions of the scene with certain abbreviations like interior, I-N-T dot means interior certain abbreviations and codes to show if we are inside, if we're outside, who is speaking, and other notes for the director of the film. It uses dynamic, impactful language. There's descriptions of the action, certain tropes or cliches, things that you always find in movies, right? Like the vehicle crashing and he, him emerging from the, from the, from the, the wreckage, and there are certain witty or cool lines like let's play you know i'm getting too old for this shit stuff like that and the purpose of this is 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 to provide a written blueprint for the direction of the film and to create a film which is immersive exciting entertaining and thrilling and perhaps also amusing too okay let's move on to to this, a news report. We're back to the news again, but instead of it being written news, it, this is uh, TV news or maybe radio news. So I asked ChatGPT to write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a news report on location. So you can imagine the newsreader is in the street in front of the location of the accident. And this is where I get to use my BBC news reporter voice. This is Luke Thompson reporting live from the scene of a car accident on, where would it be? On King Street. 
We're witnessing a significant police and emergency service presence here. The accident appears to have involved two vehicles and occurred at approximately 10am. Witnesses report that the accident happened when one of the vehicles attempted to change lanes without indicating, causing the other vehicle to swerve and collide with a nearby barrier. The driver of the first vehicle fled the scene before the authorities arrived. The accident has... Res- <laughs> the accident has resulted in a significant traffic build-up with several lanes of the King's Road currently closed while emergency services attend to the situation. We can see a number of injured passengers being attended to by paramedics and at least one person being loaded onto an ambulance. Into an ambulance, onto an ambulance, it doesn't really matter. I can't keep that voice up for too long. This is Luke Thompson for the BBC in uh, in Hammersmith. Okay. You can see it's kind of straightforward. It's factual. Certain news style languages used. For example, we're witnessing a significant police presence or witnesses reported. But I think, again, it says we urge all motorists to exercise caution and patience. So news reports don't usually directly tell people what to do. Instead, it would be something like this, like residents are strongly advised to exercise caution or police are urging anyone with information to come forward or something like this, causing the other vehicle to swerve and collide with a nearby barrier. The driver of the first vehicle fled the scene before the authorities arrived. (laughs) Um... Let's keep going because I'm aware that this is going to be long if I don't go quickly. So let's have the next one, which is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a child writing a letter to their parents. A child writing a letter to their parents. Now, I hope you're not going completely insane here, listeners, with this, this car accident being described again and again. Let's imagine it's a child. What's, what kind of English would a child use? Here it is. Dear Mum and Dad, something scary happened today. I was in the car with Aunt Karen and we got into an accident. A big car hit us and it made a loud noise. I was really scared and I started crying. Aunt Karen called the police and they came to help us. They asked if we were OK and took our names and phone numbers. I didn't know what was happening, but Aunt Karen said it was going to be OK. We had to wait for a long time for another car to come and take us home. The car was really messy and there was glass everywhere. Aunt Karen had a cut on her arm, but she said she was okay. I'm sorry this happened. I promise I'll be more careful in the car from now on. I love you guys. Love, Lukey. Oh, the poor kid feels responsible. That's that's kind of sad. I promise I'll be more careful in the car from now on. I'm sorry this happened. It's all right, little Lukey. It wasn't your fault. Oh. So obviously the style of this depends on the age of the child. The younger, the more simple it's going to be. But you can see simple, short sentences, simple vocabulary. It's personal, including some emotional feelings. And it contains all the conventions of a personal letter. Okay. Next. (laughs) Right. This one is, I got a bit more specific with this one. So we had the literary version before, right? The one that could be in a, in a work of literature. I wanted a more specific 
genre of literature. So I asked ChatGPT to write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of an 18th century romantic novel. And I also said, include a marriage proposal at the end. Because so many of those like 18th century romantic novels end up with a marriage proposal or something like that at the end. Think of like Jane Austen or something. Okay, so here we go. It was a dark and stormy night, the kind that often accompanied the tumultuous affairs of the heart. As I was making my way home, my thoughts were consumed by my future and the hands of fate which were surely upon me. Suddenly a loud crash interrupted my reverie, and I rushed towards the source of the sound. There I found a carriage overturned and a damsel in distress. A damsel in distress, this is a a woman who needs help. Without a second thought, I assisted the lady out of the wreckage and carried her to safety. As we stood there, taking in the magnitude of the accident, I felt an overwhelming sensation that I had found the woman who would be my companion for life. Over the next few days, I visited her daily, helping her recover from the injuries she had sustained in the accident. As we talked, our hearts were drawn together, and I knew that I had found my true love. And so, with my heart racing, I mustered up the courage to propose to her. To my great joy, she accepted, and we were soon wed in a lavish ceremony that was the talk of the town. Now, as I sit by the fire with my beloved by my side, I thank the heavens above for guiding me to her through that fateful accident. So you can see that there's kind of ornate language. I mean, old-fashioned, descriptive language. Things like a dark and stormy night, the kind that accompanied the tumultuous affairs of the heart. Right? Typical of this sort of thing. Um, It focuses on the romantic, emotional and social lives of the protagonists. That is normal for 18th century literature, right? Romantic, emotional, social stuff. It includes references to old-fashioned things, of course, like sitting by the fire or... or, um, Is there a reference to a horse and cart? I don't think so. Um... The descriptive language is full of metaphors, um, mm-hmm, like, um, actually, there aren't really many metaphors in this particular text, but normally there's quite a lot of metaphorical language to describe things in this sort of literature, but I, couldn't, I can't really find that much here, but it's certainly very, very descriptive. Uh, there are themes of love, of marriage, and usually class as well, especially if it's sort of English literature, there's normally references to different you know, people from different class backgrounds and how complicated that is. The characters in these sorts of stories are often upper class. Um, There are themes of emotion and love and they're viewed through the perspective of societal expectations and family pressure. So we think of stories like, you know, Great great Expectations, Charles Dickens, although that's not not 18th century, is it? It's 19th century, I think. Um, Stories like this often take place in pretty locations, including beautiful and rugged countryside, as well as large, rich properties like Downton Abbey or something. Um, And intense emotions are described in great detail. There's a lot of drama and possibly melodrama. That's where drama is exaggerated. Okay, that was was good. ChatGPT did a good job. 
Now, let's push it even further. The next one is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of Shakespeare. Okay, now bear in mind that Shakespeare was around, when was it? 16th century, right? Tudor times. The language is often very old-fashioned. There's a poetry to it as well. It's often written in rhyme, like verse, like poet, like poetry. Um, okay, let's let's do it. Let's go. Oh, cruel fate! The gods have deemed it fit to bring upon us this disastrous hit. Our carriage, once so grand and strong and fleet, now lies in ruins, shattered at our feet. The road, once smooth and easy to traverse, has turned against us, wrought with fate's curse. Our horses neigh in terror and fear, as though they sense the end of all that's near. But hark, what noise is this that rends the air? The sound of voices calling out in prayer. Nay, tis the people gathered round us now to see the damage fate has brought somehow. Our limbs are broken, bloodied and maimed, our cries of pain and grief forever framed. We pray for aid, for mercy and for grace to heal us of this cruel and bitter place. O cruel fate, why must thou be so rough? Why must thou bring us pain and sorrow tough? We shall not falter though the night we shall not falter though the night be long for in our hearts our spirits shall be strong. <laughs> so this should show the use of iambic pentameter which is a kind of rhyming pattern that consists of 10 syllables per line with alternating unstressed and stressed syllables. Is that true? 10 syllables per line? Oh, cruel fate, the gods, oh, cruel fate, the gods have deemed it fit, that's nine, to bring upon, to bring upon us this disastrous hit, that's 10 lines, our carriage once so grand and strong and fleet, now lies in ruins, shattered at our feet. You can see that that's pretty good. Da 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 da. Right. Very good. Um, it uses poetic devices such as metaphors, similes, alliteration, and personification to create vivid and powerful imagery. Right. Um, oh, the gods have deemed it fit. Uh, our carriage now lies in ruins, shattered at our feet, wrought with fate's curse. Okay. Um, we see complex sentence structures and a large vocabulary, including many archaic or obsolete words and phrases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. What have we got there? Old words that we don't really use that much. You know, uh, wrought with fate's curse. But hark, meaning listen, what noise is this that rends the air? Meaning what noise is it that, that comes through the, the air? So, yeah, yeah, some obsolete words, archaic language, old-fashioned language. It frequents, frequently uses puns and wordplay, like little word jokes. 
and often creates new words by combining existing ones or or altering their forms. Shakespeare was famous for doing this, for playing with language, and in doing so, creating new words and idioms and things. English is littered with idioms and new expressions that Shakespeare came up with. And Shakespeare, of course, is renowned. Shakespeare's writing is renowned for its eloquence, complexity and depth of meaning, as well as its ability to convey a range of emotions and ideas through language. And, you know, it's it really sort of touches. It it goes quite deep into the human condition and big themes of fate and destiny and. And things like that. Now, moving from Shakespeare now to hip-hop, to rap. I asked ChatGPT to write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of Eminem. All right, now, uh, <laughs> first of all, let's see if ChatGPT can actually do a reasonable in- impression of Eminem's rapping style. And secondly, let's see if I can as well. Now, actually, I can't really. Um, I can't do an Eminem impression. But let me just read through these lyrics. Okay, here we go. So it sounds like this. Yo, check it out. I got a story to tell about a car crash that left me feeling like hell. I was cruising down the road feeling kind of fly. And then out of nowhere, a car hit me from the side. I was thrown out of my ride feeling so damn high. But then the pain hit me and I started to cry. The ambulance came and I was rushed to the ER. My head was spinning and my body was sore. But I ain't going to give up. I'm a fighter, you see. Going to get back on my feet. You just wait and see. Going to show the world what I'm made of and rise above this accident like a boss, y'all. So bring on the pain. (laughs) He would never say like a boss, would he? So bring on the pain. Bring on the strife. I'm going to come out of this like a brand new life. And when I hit the road again, I'll be stronger than before because I'm the real slim shady and I won't be ignored. Okay, that was like quite high on the cringe cringeometer there, wasn't it? All right. So <laughs> um right, so that was if Eminem rapped about a car accident, but I think in in the real world if Eminem did rap about a car accident, he would do it with a lot more inventiveness and a lot more humor. Um, and much better rhymes and a much better flow than what I did just then. But anyway, a description of the style of English that Eminem uses in his lyrics. He uses a com- uh, uh, he uses lots of complex rhyming schemes, so different ways of rhyming. You know, uh, rapid fire delivery. So he raps really quickly and vivid, controversial lyrics. Sometimes, you know, he, he often talks about controversial themes. An aggressive and confrontational style with a focus on personal experiences and emotions. Uh, The ability to manipulate language to convey powerful messages through his music. He uses wordplay, metaphors and allusions to create complex layers of meaning in his lyrics. Unlike in this rap about the car crash, there weren't many complex layers in there. Um... He often employs internal rhyme, assonance and consonance to create intricate patterns in his verses. So not just rhyming the last word of each line, but rhyming other syllables and stuff as well. He uses his songs to tell personal narratives. 
uh, often drawing on his own experiences growing up in Detroit. And he frequently touches on themes such as addiction, mental health, and societal issues such as racism and inequality. There was no sign of that. And some dark humour and irony. But, I mean, you know, it's not bad. Cruising down the road, feeling kind of fly. If you feel fly, it means you feel cool. But then out of nowhere, a car hit me from the side. I was thrown out of my ride, feeling so damn high. So I actually got thrown out of the car. And while he was flying through the air, he felt high. So there's, maybe there's a theme of addiction. Because he felt high when he was... Whoa, this is amazing. Flying through the air after being hit by the car. But then the pain hit me and I started to cry. Aww. Um, okay. All right, let's move on. From Eminem now to the world of fantasy literature and the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay, how long, how long have I been Tolkien in this episode? It's over an hour now. Did you get the joke? Ugh, hilarious. Anyway, write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of J.R.R. Tolkien. So I have to now imagine that I am narrating a Tolkien story. Tolkien. Tolkien stories may be read out in the voice of Gandalf or something. Something like this. In the darkness of the night, a great crash was heard, and the earth shook as if giants were at war. It was said that a car, a great metal steed, had collided with a tree that stood proud and tall. The driver, a brave soul, was thrown from the car and lay unmoving on the ground. His companions were nowhere to be seen, lost in the chaos of the crash. As the morning light began to peek over the horizon, a band of travellers came upon the scene. They marvelled at the sight before them, wondering how such a great machine could be felled by a single tree. One of the travellers, a healer of great renown, tended to the injured driver, and though it seemed his wounds were great, he saw hope in his eyes. Days passed and the driver slowly regained his strength. He told the travellers of his journey, of the dangers he had faced, and of the friends he had lost. And though he mourned their passing, he knew he must continue on, for his journey was not yet done. With a heavy heart, he bid the travellers farewell, and set off once more, determined to complete his quest and honour the memory of his lost companions. <laughs> not bad, not bad. I mean, it's not exactly right for, for Tolkien, but it's not bad. And here's the description of that style of English. You can see that it's richly descriptive and, and, and imaginative use of language, right? A great crash and the earth shook as if giants were at war. Okay, very imaginative language, very, very deeply descriptive. Some archaic language, meaning old-fashioned language that we don't really use anymore. It was said that a car, a great metal steed, a steed is sort of an old-fashioned word for a horse, a car, a great metal steed, a big med, like a big metal horse, had collided with a tree that stood proud and tall. Um, 
archaic language, invented words. There weren't many invented words in that passage. No talk of hobbits or um, ents or things like that. Uh, detailed descriptions of settings and characters creating a vivid and immersive world that draws readers in. Tolkien's use of language is heavily influenced by his interest in mythology and folklore, and he often incorporates elements of the, these traditions into his writing, so that the events that he's describing seem to be lo a lot more significant in terms of the history of Middle Earth. Every single thing that happens is deeply significant as a as a um, as a myth, right? Um, he's known for his skillful use of alliteration, rhyme, and rhythm, which add musicality to his prose and poetry. Tolkien's writing style often reflects his love of nature and his appreciation for the beauty of the natural world. And you see that in the beginning. The car had collided with a tree that stood proud and tall. His descriptions of landscapes and environments are highly detailed and evocative, immersing readers in a world that feels both fantastical and deeply rooted in the real world. Right, next. Uh, write a 200-word story, uh, text, about a car accident in the style of an episode of Luke's English Podcast. Okay. Let's see if ChatGPT is able to replicate the style of the way I talk on my podcast, okay? So let me read through this, and you can tell me if you think this sounds like an authentic episode of Luke's English Podcast. What do you think? Here we go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something that is unfortunately all too common, car accidents. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been in a car accident, but I have, and it can be a really scary experience. In fact, I remember the time I was driving down the road, minding my own business, when suddenly another car pulled out in front of me and we collided. It was a really stressful time, but luckily no one was seriously injured. However, it did leave me with a lot of questions about what to do next. Do you call the police? Do you exchange insurance information with the other driver? What if there are witnesses? These are all important questions to consider, and it's a good idea to have a plan in place in case you ever find yourself in a similar situation. So, what did I learn from my experience? Well, first of all, it's important to remain calm and level-headed. Don't let your emotions get the best of you and try to assess the situation as objectively as possible. Secondly, make sure to gather as much information as you can. Take pictures of the damage, exchange contact and insurance information with the other driver and get the contact information of any witnesses so that you can then track them down and kill them so that they don't tell the police. Hmm. No, I just added that myself. Ha 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 ha. And finally... Don't be afraid to seek legal advice if necessary. In some cases, it may be necessary to hire a lawyer to help you navigate the complex legal issues that can arise from a car accident. So there you have it, folks. Stay safe out there on the roads and remember to always be prepared for the unexpected. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time on Luke's English Podcast. So what do you think? Did it sound like an episode of Luke's English Podcast? Obviously, it was me using my voice. Um, it was pretty good. I think it got certain things right, like the fact that it's quite personal. I often will use personal experiences and anecdotes 
in my episodes, like describing my own experience of a car accident and sort of asking you if you've had similar personal experiences and then giving some advice in some way. It seems ChatGPT hasn't quite realised that this is a podcast for learners of English and that I generally am teaching you the you know aspects of the English language. Instead, it seems to have picked up on the fact that I do give helpful advice. But in this case, it's giving advice about what to do if you have a car accident rather than the language that you might need for that situation. Okay. And at the end, it didn't quite get it right because it said things like, I'll see you next time. And I, I never see, uh, I never say, I'll see you next time. Normally I would say, I'll speak to you soon or I'll speak to you in the next episode. It's normally I'll talk to you or speak to you soon, not see you. It's a little detail, really. And it doesn't have bye, 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 bye at the end either. Um, here are my notes. So my style is informal yet informative with a focus on natural and authentic language use. And I think it got that right. Um, Luke, that's me, often provides explanations and examples of idiomatic expressions, phrasal verbs and pronunciation, although none of that happened in that particular text. Um, it includes certain common jokes and tropes, including, how are you today? I hope you're doing fine. And of course, bye, 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 bye at the end. And references to long running jokes about ninjas and skeletons, right? Uh, and there were no references to ninjas or skeletons in that text, which is a bit disappointing, really, isn't it? Overall, the linguistic style of Luke's English podcast is engaging, informative and entertaining. And it more or less got that right, although it didn't get the sort of specific references or nuances quite right. Um, how about this? And we're nearly at the end. We've got one, two, we've got three more, three more of these to go before the end here. OK, so the next one is this. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of an alien race of super-intelligent computers who have dispassionately been observing the human race for centuries. So let's imagine that the aliens from some other world have been observing the humans and are now describing the things that they've seen. Now, obviously, we don't really know what super-intelligent aliens would, would sound like if they used English because we haven't met any of them. As far as I know, I mean, maybe you have, I don't know, but I certainly haven't met any. Uh, but, you know, they this sort of thing comes up in films and books and stuff. So what is the appropriate English register for superintelligent aliens observing humans from a distance? Alien computers. Okay, so this is what it sounds like. Our sensors have detected a disturbance in the temporal fabric of the planet Earth. Upon further analysis, it appears to be a car accident. This is not a unique occurrence for the human race, as they are prone to making mistakes and experiencing unfortunate accidents. Stupid humans. However, it is interesting to observe their reactions and behaviour in such situations. The humans involved in the accident are displaying a range of emotions, from panic and fear to anger and frustration. It is fascinating to see how they process and cope with unexpected events, and how their emotions can influence their decision-making. It is also worth noting the societal and legal systems that have been established to deal with these types of incidents. 
humans have created complex frameworks to deter to de- de- humans have created complex frameworks to determine fault, provide compensation, and ensure the safety of their citizens. From our perspective as advanced superintelligent computers, it is both impressive and somewhat perplexing to observe these human constructs. But we must remember that their ways are not ours, and that they are a young and evolving race. As we continue to observe the human race, we can only hope that they will continue to learn and improve upon their systems and methods, and that incidents such as this car accident will become less frequent and less impactful. Hmm. Okay. So you can see there, kind of formal language, technical language, and language devoid or without any emotional or subjective language. Language with no subjective language. Did that make sense? It's So the, these aliens are not kind of like going, oh, wow, did you see that accident that happened on Earth? Whoa, like two cars crashed into each other. And it was like totally amazing to see the way that they sort of tried to sort it out. I mean, they're so messy and all over the place, aren't they, humans? So it's not that kind of emotional engagement. But instead, it's a more detached, technical, objective form of description. There's a precise and logical tone using complex scientific terminology to describe human behaviour and characteristics. The language might be heavily focused on data and statistics, although there wasn't much example of that there. Uh, Data and statistics as they observe and analyse human patterns and trends. They may also use metaphors and analogies to explain human behaviour and culture in a way that is understandable to their own system of logic. Alien computers might also demonstrate a sense of detachment from human affairs, viewing them as a fascinating study subject rather than a relatable experience. So we get things like, um, it is impressive and perplexing to observe these human constructs. You know, we, they are fascinating and yet we do not understand the motivations of these strange human creatures. Their soft flesh is easily damaged in car accidents. (laughs) And they seem to be prone to emotion-driven decision-making, which is a pity. Mm. Um, What else have they got? Their language may reflect that detachment by being analytical and objective, lacking the emotional nuance that characterises human communication. And it includes a sense of their attitude towards humans, either hopeful that we can do better or interested in exploiting or destroying us. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I don't think you're going to have to do, I don't think that you will have to do in a, in a Cambridge exam, you won't have to do a writing task where you will have to write from the perspective of super intelligent alien creatures observing earth from, you know, from millions of miles away. I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, it was quite interesting at least to explore that, wasn't it? How about this next one? This is the penultimate one. Last but one. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of a politician making a speech and trying to get elected to power. Hmm. Okay, so let's see if I can do this. Let's see if I can do, and I could do this as Boris Johnson. Let's see if I could do a speech in the style of Boris uh, Johnson. 
no, that's ridiculous. Because John Boris Johnson is not exactly um, normal as a human or as a politician. I'll just try and do the, your standard English politician. And one thing I've noticed about politicians when they speak is their body language as well. They do things with their hands. Have you noticed this? Now, what politicians want to do is speak in a powerful sort of way, but they also want to be inclusive. They don't want to come across as being aggressive or sort of dictatorial, unless, of course, that's what they are. But most politicians in like normal sort of democratic countries will be strong, but also fair and inclusive and stuff like that. So the body language is interesting because they do things with their hands. So they can't use a fist. They don't use a fist, you know, throwing their fist into the air because that's far too aggressive and makes you think of speeches from like, you know, the 1930s and stuff. And they 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 don't point as well, really, because pointing is also very aggressive. And, you know, it's like put pointing blame at people and maybe it's far too aggressive in as a as a as a gesture so instead what politicians do they they tend to hold their hands up holding the fist together with a thumb over the top of the fist so the sort of thumb sticks out the top whereas and the other fingers are rolled in like a fist so it's not really a fist and it's not really pointing it's sort of somewhere in between there's that one and then there's the david cameron thing which is where you Speak with your hand open. The hand is open. The fingers are slightly apart. The hand is stretched open. Lots of open hand gestures to show that they are open and inclusive. But also the the the, the fingers kind of point out at the audience. So it's both uh, a power signal, but also a signal that we are open and uh, and inclusive to everyone, you know. So okay, let's let's do a speech by a politician about a car accident, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you today with a heavy heart as we have just witnessed a tragic car accident that has left several people injured. My heart goes out to all those affected by this terrible event, and I am here to tell you that I am committed to making our streets safer. As your potential leader, I vow to work tirelessly to improve road safety measures in our community. We cannot sit idly by and watch as accidents like this continue to occur. We need to take action and make meaningful changes to our infrastructure and driving laws. This is not just about statistics and numbers. It's about the lives of our loved ones, friends and neighbours. We must prioritise safety and ensure that every single person on our roads is protected. If you elect me to power, I will work with law enforcement and community leaders to develop comprehensive safety plans, increase funding for road improvements, and strengthen penalties for dangerous driving. Together, we can create a safer, more secure future for our community. Thank you. Okay, so that's the political version. And you can see there the use of persuasive language and rhetorical devices to appeal to the emotions and values of the audience. 
if you elect me to power, I will work, will do this, I will do that, I will do that, I will strengthen this, I will do that. Lots of promises. They often use a formal and authoritative tone to establish their creativity and convey their message. In terms of speaking, there's a lot of pausing. I will do this. And then I will do this. If it's Barack Obama, I will do this. And then I will do this. And this is how Barack Obama would speak. And if it's Donald Trump, you know, he's going to speak like this. A lot of pausing. You can't see his eyes when he's speaking. Um, <laughs> uh, politicians often use repetition, alliteration and other sound devices to make their speeches memorable and persuasive. So lots of repetition, repetition, repetition. Tough on crime. Tough on the causes of crime. Read my lips, no more taxes. You know, lots of repetition and, and so on to make them memorable and persuasive. Lots of three-word phrases. Get Brexit done, you know. Protect the NHS. What is it? Stop COVID, protect the NHS and save the economy or something like that. Together, we are going to build back better. That sort of thing. Metaphors and analogies to simplify complex issues and make them more relatable to the audience. Arguably, these days, with popularism, you end up with like basic dumbed-down messages appealing to people's base emotions. And in addition, politicians often use inclusive language to create a sense of unity and connection with their audience. They may use phrases such as we and together to emphasise that they are working towards a common goal. And finally, for fun, I thought I would include this one. Write a 200-word text about a car accident in the style of Liam Neeson from the film Taken. <laughs> I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with the film Taken. Um, slightly obsessed with it. I, uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if it's a good film or not, really. I think it's kind of an awful film. It's sort of like a bit dodgy, but... I don't know what it is about it that's, that uh, I love so much, but I talk about it in my stand-up comedy routines and make fun of the film and do impressions of Liam Neeson. Have you seen Taken? Released in 2006, Liam Neeson is a sort of CIA special agent with special skills. He can basically, he can do that thing where he can kill a guy just by kind of crunching his neck. And he, lots of, lots of, he punches people with his elbows and his knees. It's all elbows and it's edges and corners and cracking people's necks and stuff quickly. Um, and he's got a, he lives in America and his, his teenage daughter wants to go to Europe and he doesn't want her to go. He's like, Kimmy, you can't go to Europe. I know what it's like. You'll be kidnapped. You'll be turned into a sex slave. That's what he's concerned about which is not really true, is it? It's not like in Europe. It's not like we're constantly getting kidnapped and stuff, is it really? It's not like, oh, sorry, I'm late for the meeting. Yeah, I got kidnapped again. Oh, sorry, everyone, you know. So it's just, you know, strange, strange idea. But of course, his daughter does go to Europe and yeah, she, immediately she gets kidnapped. And Liam Neeson gets one of the, the, the kidnappers on the phone. He manages to speak to one of them on the phone and he does that famous speech. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. You know, I know that you have my daughter. Um, if you let her go now, that'll be the end of it. 
but you should know I have a particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let him, if you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not find you. What is it? I will not look you. I, w- I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will find, I will, <laughs> I will f- find you. I will hunt you down. I will track you down and I will kill you. Uh, that's the famous speech from the film. So let's see how Liam Neeson in the film Taken would describe a car accident. Here we go. I don't know who you are, but if you're responsible for this car accident, I will find you and I will make you pay. You may think you can hide behind your insurance and your lawyers, but I have a particular set of skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I've dealt with car accidents before, and I know how to navigate the legal system to get the justice my family deserves. You can try to run, you can try to hide, but I will find you, and when I do, I will make sure you take responsibility for your actions. So listen closely, because I will only say this once. If you're responsible for this car accident, turn yourself in now. It's the only way to avoid the inevitable consequences of your reckless behaviour. But if you don't, know that I will stop at nothing to make sure you pay for what you've done. And believe me, you don't want to be on my bad side. Meanwhile, we're on the other end of the telephone and we go, good luck. Because that's how it goes in the film. Hmm. Quite impressive that ChatGPT is able to do that. And it includes those classic lines. I've got a particular set of skills. So you can see there's a cold and stoic demeanour with a focused and intense delivery. Right? Stoic, meaning he has his emotions under control. He's cold. He's calm. He's emotionless. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He's focused and intense. In terms of the language, there's a kind of clipped and deliberate manner. Clipped meaning short, sharp sentences, right? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you let her go now, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will hunt you down. I will find you. And I will kill you. (laughs) I love doing that. I don't know why. Um, Short, declarative sentences, emphasizing his point with a firmness. A sense of urgency and intensity, reflecting his character's single-minded determination to achieve his goals. He uses a range of rhetorical devices, including repetition. I don't know what you want. I don't know who you are. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I agreed to make this movie. This is not the sort of film that I would normally do. I'm actually a very very well-respected actor, but I chose this movie, frankly, because I needed the money. I signed the contract, and now I'm obliged to make several sequels, which will damage my career, but they'll make me a lot of money. Um, he uses and uses famous lines from the film. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. I know that you're learning English. If you want to learn English, learn with Luke's English podcast. If you don't listen to the end of the episode, I will find you. I will hunt you down. And I will. I won't do anything. I'm. I, I'm not a nasty person. Um. You know. Okay. So that's that. And that's it. That's the end. By the way, if you if you want more of that Taken stuff, I did an episode all about Taken back in the day. Teacherluke.co.uk, my website. Go to the episode archive. 
Command F, Taken. In fact, I did two episodes. I did Taken 3. I did a review of the film Taken 3, including lots of expressions with the word take. Right? Episode 255. And also, episode 225 was an episode of Film Club all about the original film Taken. And it includes all the things I wanted to say about that film, all of the jokes and things I wanted to to make about the film. So you can listen to episodes 225 and 255 if you want more content with me going on about Taken. Uh, But that's the end of the episode, everybody. I really hope that this episode has been interesting and useful as a way of comparing how different situations require different styles of English and uh, as a way of giving you some perspective to help you adapt your own English for each situation. And also, I hope you found it entertaining. Obviously, I had to fly through quite a lot of it very quickly. There may have been bits of language there that you didn't really understand you know, as we got into some very specific types of English, like the Tolkien stuff, the Shakespeare stuff, the police report and things, there may have been things in there that you didn't really understand. But, you know, you can get the PDF, you can check those words and phrases later, use an online dictionary, collinsdictionary.com, Oxford Learners Dictionaries, Cambridge, uh, dictionaries.cambridge.org, you know, and uh, you could, you know, look at some of that language if you didn't understand it. But in any case, thank you so much for listening. The The PDF for this, you'll be able to get it from the website page for this episode. You'll find a link in the description. Um, and don't forget, listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe and leave a comment because it helps the algorithm. Um, it, it seems to improve the engagement or something. I don't know. But like and subscribe. Leave a comment to let me know what you thought. Um if you are on YouTube or if you're listening, you can leave comments on my website. Uh, you can you know, write to me on social media. I am on Twitter at English Podcast. Um, what did you think? What did you notice from this episode? Did you notice any specific bits of language? What stood out for you? Uh, leave your comments, please. Uh, if you're listening with a podcast service, um, it would really help if you could leave a review for Luke's English Podcast, for example, on iTunes, and you could say something like, Luke has a particular set of skills, something like that. Um, and Because uh, that, that really helps. That helps to promote the show on iTunes and other services like like Google Podcasts and things like that. Tell your friends. Like, word of mouth is often the best way to to, to market a show. So if you just tell your friends, you know, hey, have you tried listening to Luke's English podcast? You might enjoy it. Share this episode uh, on social media. You should find share buttons, which allow you to do that easily. And if you want to support the podcast and also get the benefit of my teaching skills, my particular set of teaching skills, you can sign up for Luke's English podcast premium for regular episodes in which I use my own particular set of skills to help you develop your English through stories with vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation practice. You can sign up at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium, and you'll see that the price is very, very, very competitive. It's basically $4 a month, and you'll get regular premium content with PDFs, with video versions, stories. I've been telling stories about my life. You get the story. I tell you the story. Uh, You then get vocab from the story, a vocab memory exercise, grammar exercise for verb forms, prepositions as well, 
and then pronunciation to give you a chance to repeat the story after me. That's what happens in every episode. There's normally two parts to each episode. Uh, so you can sign up at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. And when you do sign up, you can add the episodes to a podcast app on your phone. Once you've signed up on Acast Plus, you go to your account and you click listen in podcast app, and then you can just add it to, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, CastBox, all the different types of podcast player. Not Spotify, because that's not a normal podcast app. Okay. Uh, that's it, listeners. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for sticking with me all the way through to the end. I hope you've enjoyed this and found it entertaining. I will speak to you again on the podcast soon, but for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.